Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. What up? What up, everybody? I'm Big Waz and I'm Nando Vila, and we are the Woke Bros. Each week, we bring you guys lefty news from a lefty perspective. Man, what does that mean? That means news from the perspective of working people like you and I. Yeah. Do you think the Republicans suck, and do you think that the Democrats also suck? Well, you're going to like our show because we think they both suck. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you want the news, all Skrilla, no filler, each and every Thursday, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get podcasts because the Woke Bros has their own individual podcast feed. Make sure you look up the Woke Bros, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, give us five stars, and say that we're the greatest of all time. See you guys soon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray, joined as always by my brother on the west side of Los Angeles, Nando Vila. What's going on? How's it going, man? How you doing over there? Are you staying cool out in the valley? Listen, listen, it's, it's hot out something there. degrees, 100-something degrees out here in the valley, but luckily for me, I got central air, and I'm safe and will not be passing out from a heat stroke anytime yeah. soon it's hot out there but it's not as hot as our takes the takes are even <laughs> we're gonna have some heat for y'all today uh those of you who follow me on instagram know that i've been having a little bit of fun a little bit of amusement with the controversy surrounding lin-manuel miranda's movie <laughs> in the heights yeah uh, the, the afro latinx people ain't having it uh, we're gonna get into that. Rita Moreno is getting canceled. This is it's getting crazy out there within the Latinx community. 
Uh, last week we told you we would talk about this, but everywhere that you go and you see employers are upping raises, they're giving people one-time signing bonuses, they're offering to pay for kids, their children's tuition, they're doing all of these things to entice workers to come back to work. So I guess you can kind of call it a bull market for workers. We're going to talk about that, why, why that's happening, why it's an important sign of things. Um, towards the middle of the show. But first, man, we got to give a, a shout out to ProPublica for an amazing, sprawling, extremely well-reported piece that they just put out this week about billionaires and how little taxes they actually pay on their income and wealth. Uh, <laughs> it's an extremely thorough piece just well done. They talk about guys like Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, George Soros. You know the entire cast and crew of the billionaire class when it comes to this country. And, you know, effectively, Nando, they're paying taxes at rates of 3 5%. Yeah. In Warren Buffett's case, it was like something like 0.9% of his wealth was taxed over a four-year period. Yeah. Which is just insane. Yeah, it really is a remarkable view into how I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about the ultra, ultra rich, the multi bajillionaires. You know, this was like um, ProPublica got their hands on the tax records of, I think, the 25 richest Americans, you know, this, which basically means some of the 25 richest people on the planet and looked at how much uh, they paid in taxes. And it's just staggering. We knew the rich didn't pay that much in taxes. Like we knew that, but we never, we've never had the receipts like this that show just how little they pay. I mean, like they said, like it, from a, in the four year span that they looked at from 2014 to 2018, they paid an effective rate of 3.4%, which is just absolutely mind boggling given the incredible amounts of wealth that they have. I mean, just to put it in context, if you're like, uh, I don't know, if you if you work at, uh, you know, as a public school teacher or whatever, um, your you had about income, yeah, your income is taxed uh, before you even see your check, right? Like you 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 it, like you get your check, but it's already your tax is already deducted. Um, you pay about twenty two percent on that. On the you know 45, 50 grand a year you might make. Yeah, um, plus the state taxes. Yeah, right. Plus right, the right. state tax, depending on where you are. But yeah, um, that's 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 the the top headline um, of this report. And you know we can get into the, how they do it because the I mean the real big scandal they're not cheating. They're not like they're no. not doing anything illegal. They're doing everything that is perfectly legal, which in a way is more scandalous, right? Like the real scandal is not what's illegal. It's what's perfectly legal. It's the and system. What they, it's the system. And what they essentially do is like, we, we've always known that income is taxed higher than capital gains, but they don't even, uh, they don't even get taxed on their capital gains. Like they don't even get like the ta the capital gains tax rate is 15%. They don't even get taxed, uh, at that rate. What they do is essentially like if you're Warren Buffett or, um, whomever, uh, you, uh, you you have like your shares in your company, which means you're insanely wealthy, right? Like if you're Jeff Bezos and you have shares in Amazon, which means you're worth, you know, $200 billion or whatever he's worth. 
And then uh, your income is actually really like a minuscule amount. It's probably like, you know, sometimes CEOs get paid like $1 a year or mm -hmm. like, you know, some insanely low amount, like $50,000 a year. So if you want to buy like your next yacht or something, you know, and you're one of these guys, you don't sell shares in your company to get cash to buy the yacht. Because if you sold the shares in your company, you'd get taxed uh, on that transaction at 15%, the capital gains tax. What you do is you go and you go to a bank and you borrow the money. You know, you just say like, hey, I, I need, you know, $500 million to buy a yacht. Um, and the bank knows you're Jeff Bezos or whomever, and they know that you're good for it because you have tons of cat, like you have tons of wealth. Um, so they'll gladly <laughs> loan you the money. And then what you do is like you pay a little interest on that loan, um, but it's effectively lower than the tax rate. You know, like it's what, what you would pay in taxes. And then when you need to pay back that loan or whatever, you just take out another loan from someone else and you just kind of do just keep doing that. You just kind of keep falling forward. So you never have any actual cash. You just keep getting capitalized by the banks and that's how you spend your money for the most part. And then that's how you just essentially never get taxed. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, what's important, and they said it in the piece, is that this pays lie to the idea that in America, everybody pays their fair share. And specifically, the richest Americans pay the most in taxes. Yeah. And this is just, it just shows that that's completely cap. It's a lie. Um, just not true. Now, what I, they had a line in there that was my favorite of all of it, Nando. It goes a little something like this. By the end of 2018, the 25 million billionaires that they audited were worth $1.1 trillion. <laughs> For comparison... It would take 14.3 million ordinary American wage earners to put together to equal that same amount of wealth. The personal federal tax bill for the top 25 in 2018 was 1.9 billion. The bill for the wage earners was 143 billion. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's and crazy. every time we talk about healthcare, every time we talk about upping the amount of social security, every time we talk about rebuilding our infrastructure, every time we talk about eliminating student debt, every time we talk about free college tuition, every time we talk about the things that everyday ordinary Americans need, all you hear is we can't afford it. Yeah, we're broke. We can't afford it. We're broke. I mean, the money, we know where the money's sitting. It's sitting right there. You know, that's where it is. We can pay for anything. You know, like, Waz, you and I live in LA. The homelessness crisis here is like insane right now. Yep. You know how cheap it is to fix that? Like literally overnight. It's like, it's like a fraction of a fraction of 1% of what the federal budget would be to fix the homelessness crisis in America overnight, you know? Um, and but we're told, you know, it's too expensive. We can't afford it. We can't do things like, uh, you know, public health care. We got to slash education budgets. You know, we can't do that um, because we're broke. We don't have enough money. But then By again, the way, people and, who and, are taxed. And just because just just it's important we keep stuff in perspective, Nando. Like, if we tax these guys properly, they would not cease to be the most richest, most powerful people no. in the world. They would no. continue to be that. Nothing would change for them. Everything yeah. would change for us. 
nothing would fundamentally change for these people. It's just literally them hoarding all of our wealth and our resources. Yeah. They're just hoarding it because they're yeah. like, fuck these people. They ain't going to do shit about it. They can't do shit about it. Yeah. Straight up. And That's how they know, look at us, like suckers and idiots. Well, one thing that drives me crazy, and I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, if I had a billion dollars, the different the difference between paying three percent and fifteen percent on that, you know, whatever, I I don't, I can't, I can't put myself in the head of someone and be like, man, that's I can't do that. I can't do the fifteen percent. I have to, I have to do everything possible to pay even less than that. Um, so that's just for one thing. But the other thing is that, like, often the media and you're, you're seeing this kind of fall apart with the Bill Gates thing, and that he was like a Jeffrey Epstein pedophile. Um, but like for years, like the media loves these billionaires and their philanthropic um, activities, mm -hmm. right? Not really understanding two basic things. One is that a lot of this quote unquote philanthropy, which by the way is tax deductible. Um, they give it to themselves. Like Mark Zuckerberg creates a foundation and then he gives his money to the foundation that he controls. Like he's not giving it away. Like if you're, if you're still controlling it, you know, like, yeah, sure. He's not buying another house with it, but he's still controlling that wealth. Like he's giving it mm -hmm. to himself, you know? And then on another, like even more fundamental level, just the idea that philanthropy is some sort of means to uh, some sort of um, gregarious thing. Like I remember, right. like you remember or when... that it's a that it's a substitute for what the government is supposed to be doing. Private exactly. citizens are going to spend the money much more smarter than the government will. Exactly. But first of all, the, the the crazy thing about it is, do you remember like something called the Giving Pledge that was created by Bill Gates and Warren Buffett signed on to, and where they mm -hmm. pledged to give half of their wealth uh, to charity. <laughs> From the day that that pledge was made by Bill Gates, which is something like 10 or 15 years ago, from that day to today, Bill Gates is worth more than he was in those days. Even though he's given away like half of his wealth, like somehow he's worth more. Somehow, right. you know, the way I understand is if you give away half your, your shit, then you're half, then you have half. No, somehow he has more, right? Um, so it's just, it's just utter bullshit. And then on, on a more fundamental level, like, this is the problems of society need to be fixed by society, like because we need to come together and decide what we our priorities are as a democratic society. If a billionaire is deciding what what the problems are to be fixed, then we're at their mercy. And they all have like their weird fucking hobby horses. Like, I mean, half of them just want to privatize education, you know, um, like that's like their big thing. They're just spending all their money to, <laughs> to strip away public education. You know, like that's a huge billionaire initiative, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg with his thing that he did with Cory Booker in Newark, New Jersey. I don't know if you remember that story. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Bill Gates has been a huge funding of a funder of charter schools and, you know, all kinds of education privatization all over the country. I yep. mean, it's just, they're fanatics about it. Um, and because fundamentally they can't stand that there's this public thing that is outside of their domination and control like they see it as uh, an affront an to affront. everything they hold dear because uh -huh. they're they're the enlightened they're the superior beings you know all of us should just like worship at their feet yeah and then there's a second component to this report nando because you would think our good old uncle joe man of the people yeah. yes man, friend of the working man uncle joe you'd you be scandalized by this Scandalous. Well, he would be in, enraged, like, yo, we got to do something about this, man. These billionaires are getting away with murder. 
They the the American uh, people are, are paying their fair share, and these rich assholes aren't doing their part. You would think Joe, because he's a champion of the people, would come out and do that. Nah, no. What Joe and his DOJ is upset about is the leak of yeah. the tax records. Who leaked it? Who leaked it? Who that's leaked that's it? the scandal here. Not yeah. the American tax code. Not so just, the regressive American tax yeah. code. The leaks are. Yeah, just to uh, put a finer point on it, Merrick Garland, who is the attorney general, you remember Merrick Garland from the good old Obama days. He was Obama's mm -hmm. nominee for Supreme Court. That was blocked by Mitch mm -hmm. McConnell. He became kind of like a liberal icon as a result of He was a martyr. That. He was an Obama-era yeah. martyr for sure. Yeah. Um, he's the attorney general now. And he goes, I promise you it will be at the top of my list, he told uh, the Senate, um, to, to investigate who leaked those tax documents to ProPublica. The priorities of the administration are not to, you know, figure out a way to tax these people more, uh, more effectively and more fairly. It's to prosecute the leaker who who gave this information to ProPublica. Now, the rumors as to who the leaker was, the rumors out there are that it may have been. I mean, I don't really believe this because everything these days gets filtered through this, but that it may have been like Russian state actors who like hacked into like that IRS <laughs> thing and and gave it to ProPublica. I mean, that's. I mean, if it's true, if that is true, thank you to Vladimir Putin for yes. uh, revealing this information to us. You're I commend a fucking you. horrible guy, a scary dude, but yes. thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, you know, and it's like I, the 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 sort of liberal understanding of this through that kind of lens, like, well, this is like a grave national security uh, issue that they're like, it means that you care more about like nationalism and your national identity than like. Any sort of like your class or like that 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 is more important to you. How is it like, national security? The, the 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 financial records of the richest people in the world. How how explain that well, to me? What they didn't steal it. They just made it public. Yeah. What, like how yeah. is this security a security concern? It's bullshit. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, um, it was. It's 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 like the perfect example of just the awfulness of. Our current system, everything about it, like that, you know, we're this big major scandal that should that should be dominating every single headline right now, um, immediately gets filtered through that kind of lens rather than like it's like, well, who leaked these documents? Like, no, who gives who gives a shit? You know, like right. who cares? Like they could have been leaked by Osama bin Laden himself. He could have been like reanimated and and he hacked into the and like I wouldn't give a shit. Like it doesn't matter. Like the what matters is what's important to us as a society is that the richest, most powerful people on earth who live in America essentially pay zero taxes. That's it. They pay zero taxes. And meanwhile, our society is crumbling. So, yeah, it's a crazy story. Crazy, crazy story. Um, I wish them nothing but pitfalls in hell and trying to find the leaker because <laughs> you guys are insane. Um, yeah. But yet we move on. To, you know, last week, Nando, and I covered this on Wozni on TYT, uh, New York Times put out a piece where they talked about the, the conditions of the current labor market, that employers are having to come up with greater and greater and greater enticements to attract employees. 
Um, basically, it's stuff like they're offering to pay for kids' tuition. They're offering to send people to school and pay for it, yeah. like their actual employers to like grad programs and other things. Um, obviously, that's the wage benefits. They're offering free lunch. They're offering all kinds of enticements because the labor market is so bare. It's a bull market for workers right now. You know, yeah. one-time cash incentives, like, yo, here's, a one, here's $1,500 just for taking the job, right? Now, just bonus. for taking yeah. the job. Here's a signing bonus. Um, All of these crazy things. And it's because of what? Because of the pandemic, because of, you know, it's shaking up so many conditions and so many, I would say like the perception of work. Yeah. Of so many people about like, what do I owe my job? How much energy should I be expending on work? How much time should I be spending on myself? All of these questions that people yeah. are forced to ask themselves while home from work, while off of work, while shit, man, collecting that check from the government, you know, for unemployment, et cetera, et cetera, have changed the conditions under which workers are willing to go back to work. And previously... We've seen the hysteria from the CNBC crowds and all of that about, yo, this is bullshit. Uh, the government needs to stop paying these guys to stay home, X, Y, and Z. Basically, you've seen it framed primarily as a problem with workers. The problem is with the workers. They don't want to go back and take those slave wages. Nobody, rarely, rarely have you seen it framed another way. The problem is capital. Why are these jobs so fucking unattractive? And if you were already doing the right thing, how come you are able to afford to do all this extra shit now? Now that you don't have the workers for it. How is that possible, Nando? I thought you guys were giving people all that they needed and deserved in the first place. All of a sudden, you're coming back with more. Funny how that works. Very funny how that works. I mean, I think what it's laid bare is, you know, one of the... Um, one of the central tenets of capitalism is that the system needs to figure out ways to force people to work. It just, it's, you know, it needs to do it. And the way that it does it most of the time throughout the history of capitalism, save for like very brief um, kind of interludes where worker power was, was very strong, mostly in the middle of the 20th century, um, is to essentially starve the vast majority of people um, until they're forced to, to, to sell their labor to a boss um, in exchange for a wage to to feed themselves. And because of the way the pandemic has worked out and because, like you mentioned, the, the pretty generous unemployment benefits that was passed first in the CARES Act under Trump and then kind of extended a little bit with the with the Biden stimulus bill, it's um, it's just, you know, a lot of people are getting paid a decent wage to not work and it's it's not like they're getting it's not like they're getting rich like no one's getting rich off of that no. but they're but they're able to live like they're they're able to survive and live and that's like said well do i want to go back and work like for eight dollars an hour at mcdonald's so some fucking like tyrannical manager can just yell at me and some fucking disgusting customers can just like say that like you know my burger is undercooked or whatever you you fucking piece of shit <laughs> you know like just to get abused all day like no like they, they're like i don't want to fucking do that anymore you know like it's it really has created an elevated sense of consciousness that the system that we live in just beats us down and grinds us to a nub until we're forced to to go to work um and again the the once that happens even in this brief period of time which we're, it's only been 
you know, like a few months since things started uh, reopening and the, just the very brief struggles of employers to entice people back to work has created a sort of national panic, you know, and it's like, it's not like, well, you could just offer higher wages, like McDonald's could offer to pay $15 minimum wage or, um, you know, $20 away, uh, an hour, um, which is what they do in other countries. And they still fucking can sell burgers to, to you know, to people. Yeah. Um, that it's just like, it, it, that that never enters into the conversation. And like this, this brief period of like, of worker leverage um, is creating a whole cottage industry of, of media takes about like how big of a problem this is. And it's just... No, it's it's always seen as like the problem of the labor problem never be the that workers are getting better. How like how can it be a problem that workers that the conditions under which people work, i.e., the money they make, you know, uh whatever what all the conditions that 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 entails are getting better for the people who are working them? How can that be the problem if yeah. just by math, <laughs> just by simple math? There's more workers than bosses. And I know they're going to come with, well, you know, inflation and everything's going to be inflated. And then, you know, because these wages are going to get crazy and everything's going to get more expensive and blah, blah, blah. It's bullshit fear mongering. Get the hell out of here with that. Well, the thing is, it's, I mean, there is, I mean, it is bullshit fear mongering, but there is kind of an element of truth to it. But the problem is that because, and we've talked about this in the past, that in America, we see, we see ourselves first and foremost as consumers. You know, that that's what we see ourselves like my my whole identity is wrapped up in my consuming habits. You know, whether I want to when I want to eat at Panera versus fucking, you know, Subway or, um, you know, whether I want to watch Netflix versus Hulu or whatever, like like our identities and every and this is like a new thing. Like people don't realize this is like a new ish thing. Like people have been decrying consumerism forever, but. Before, when when we had strong labor unions and things like that, there was a sense that we were in a society and that we were workers and that we were all in this together and that like a rising tide lifts all boats and all that thing. Like, no, we've been trained to think of ourselves as consumers. So when we think of like, you know, Uber, um, you know, basically, you know, starving their drivers and making them drive like 25 hours a day and whatever, you know, but for us, like as consumers, like it's pretty convenient. So like, that's great. You know, like that's fucking great. I press the button on the, on the phone and the car shows up and then I go to the place and it's cheap. You know, I don't think of the other person, um, in that way. I think about my experience as a consumer. That's a very American thing. That's a very modern thing. And that's what's at the heart of all this stuff is like if we saw ourselves as something different, if we saw ourselves as citizens in a country or workers in a class, we would see the problem with this kind of thinking. Instead, we're just like obsessed with like, you know, like, do I pay, you know, $1.99 at Walmart for like the mega roll of toilet paper or do I pay like $1.59, you know? Um, and, and, and that's like how we see it. And it's just, it's, and we don't care about what goes into that little like 40 cent drop in prices, whether it's like, you know, some poor slave in, in, in China or, or in sub-Saharan African, who's like forced to like do, you know, incredible amounts of labor just to like fill the parts in our iPhone. Um, we don't see ourselves that way. We just see the consumer experience and, and that's the only thing that matters. And by the way, the capitalists, they know what they're doing. You see Nando passed to me a story about Chipotle leak, like, Oh, all these wages, we got to hike. You know we're gonna have to charge y'all four percent more on the f grub, right? Which is like four percent, 
four cents on every on every dollar spent at Chipotle, I'm gonna pay more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Without realizing, That's- I mean. Back in the day when there was company towns, like when like Henry Ford, you know, like had fucking entire company towns, like they understood that they needed to pay their workers enough to at least be able to pay for a fucking car. Yeah. 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 For for a fucking Model T or whatever. Um, You know, that like if Chipotle workers are getting paid more, you know, they're buying shit with that money, you know, like they're they're buying other shit. And then that means that like. Oh, that there's economic activity there. That means that oh, there's, oh, those workers get paid. Of course. Like, if everyone gets paid, like if certain people get paid more, then everyone kind of gets paid more because there's more economic activity. When the rich get to keep more of their money, they spend less of that money because of they don't course. need to. If Jeff, exactly. Jeff Bezos can't spend $200 billion a year, he can't. He can't. It's impossible. Can't. You know, like he's just hoarding it. You know, whereas, you know, you and I, if we get paid an extra five grand a year, we're likely going to spend it. You know, we're likely going to it's going to likely go right back out the door into into the economic system, which means that other people can get paid more. Yeah. And so, you know, these guys, (laughs) they just hoard all of the wealth at our expense. And the freaking politicians sit around and explain to us that, you know, it's just nothing. It's just there's no way. There's no money out there to be had. There's, we don't. We don't know how to pay for anything. Um, we're at our wits' end. Uh, it's stupid. Anyway, everybody should go read that ProPublica piece. It's eye-opening yeah. and it's guaranteed to get your blood boiling. Believe me. And we continue on to something a little less pressing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just a little bit less pressing, liberals. Um, and that's the fucking cast of Lin-Manuel's whack-ass movie, okay? <laughs> um, uh, uh, so Lin-Manuel, he first got on the scene with this In the Heights Broadway play. Yeah, you know, I saw it. was it. about f- five years ago, In the Heights. I haven't seen it, but everybody who I know, who I respect, who saw it was like, shit was whack. Um, and so, <laughs> And so, you know, that kind of put him on the map. That laid the groundwork that allowed him... To even get the you know the resources and the leeway to do Hamilton, which obviously is a runaway hit, probably the biggest play in the history of the fucking form of I a Broadway musical, most successful, most ridiculous, right? Like he's become an overwhelming success. He's a celebrity. It's Slightly like what if, Alex, on... what if Alexander Hamilton was black, dude? What if right, 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 right? Like he, his <laughs> brand of celebrity. Gets on my nerves, but like, you know, whatever. It is what it is. They do a movie adaptation of In the Heights, which is a, which is a musical about Washington Heights, Inwood, whatever. Um, the up, Uptown Manhattan, right? Largely Latinx community, mainly Dominican. Like people, when people say Washington Heights, essentially in New York, they're saying the Dominican Republic. So <laughs> lots of Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, etc. And, you know, the movie comes out. And people are bitching about the cast being not, not, they didn't even say that they didn't have Afro-Latinas or Latinos in there, that the ones that they did have were not dark-skinned enough. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow this is a travesty carried out by Lin-Manuel Miranda and the people... (laughs) Never mind, Nando, that the movie did dick. Nobody watched. Nobody went to go see it in the movie theaters. Nobody's going to care about this movie. It's going to come and go. But still, people online are going nuts 
because there's not enough dark-skinned Afro-Latinos or Latinas or Latinx. So there are Afro-Latinos. There yes. are Afro-Latinos. They're yes. just not as dark They're not light-skinned. They're not dark-skinned. Right. That's the controversy. Yes, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay like on one level like on one level i i like empathize with you know i'm, I'm sure that it, it is very difficult for dark-skinned um afro-latinos to get roles in movies and then in the movie about washington heights you would think like whatever but then you're getting into like a weird situation in which we're like are we gonna start like measuring people's yes, we are. skin tone like is there gonna be like oh. a number like yeah. how what where, where would you fit on the dark skinned scale wise? I mean, like, I'm pretty you... dark skinned. Everybody would admit that I'm a chocolate brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> yeah. dark skinned cat. I'm not. I'm not quite the level. But is of there seal. darker than you? Yeah, seal. Seal's, seals the top. Seal. Seal is seal. probably the top of the pops with that. Seal and the homie from Blood Diamond, I would say, okay. are probably the two <laughs> chocolatiest brothers in, in pop culture. <laughs> probably. And then you're like the next category, or I'm probably like... yeah, I'm probably right. I'm probably right underneath those cats. And then who's below you? Below me, like Steph Curry. No, 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 not Steph Curry. More like a Westbrook. More like a. Below me would be like a Paul George, uh, okay. you know, those type of cats. And then there's Steph Curry and producer Sean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> producer, if producer Sean wants to get on, maybe we can, maybe we can yeah. analyze. <laughs> but it's, but yeah. it's, and, and, and I do want to say, as the black person on this panel, and specifically as it pertains <laughs> to black women, um, I have had these conversations with people, and I understand... Yeah, Nando, as the black person on this panel, I think it's important that, you know, we give voice to what's actually being complained about. Meaning, like, when it comes to darker skinned black women, they talk about the psychic cost of constantly within mass media getting the message that you're not good looking enough, you're undesirable, you're terrible. Um, you're, you know, your hair sucks, your nose sucks, your big lips suck all of that kind of shit, you know, yeah. there's a psychic cost to that. And I think there's something to it. However, however, and I'm not straw manning this, there's a, there's a sense that like more black women being in this movie would have been a net gain for black Americans. Yeah. That's some bullshit. Now, <laughs> now let me say this. To black actresses and artists or whatever who are trying to get this kind of this kind of art done on a grand scale, yes, it matters. But the bottom line is, yeah, you know, it, like let's just say the pool of people who would benefit from, you know, dark skinned people getting to make art is like ten thousand people. That's great. Yeah. Those ten thousand people. Do not fucking tell me. <laughs> it's great for all of Black America. It, it's it it doesn't really matter, y'all. That's my problem with the complaint. Like the way the scale yeah. at which it gets broadcasted makes puts it on the the level of you know wage stagnation in Black communities. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And I hate to be class reductionist here, y'all. But the way y'all be <laughs> bitching and complaining, I'm sorry. This is bougie people problems. Well, the, the other thing is that it's like, it's also like, it's one of those macro problems that when you look at it at a micro level, you get into some weird 
things, right? Because it, I think it is probably true, undeniable on some macro level that on the whole, you know, dark-skinned Afro-Latino people are struggling to get, you know, roles or whatever. But like, like if you reduce it to like In the Heights and like the casting director of In the Heights when they're like auditioning uh, women for the role of whoever in the movie and like some, I guess, light-skinned Afro-Latino woman walks in and auditions and like does, you know, performs her heart out. And the casting director and Lin-Manuel are like talking to her like, yo, do you think she's dark enough? <laughs> like, do you, she, do you think she's dark enough? <laughs> you know, like it gets like a little weird, right? Like it gets, like, it gets to be, you know, like you wouldn't like that either. That would be, that would be an odd thing to, to think about on. Right. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm, I, if, if I, was like, I would hope listen, so. We loved, we loved Carmen, whatever. But she's a little too light skinned, you know. Like, unless you were like representing. Yeah, like but a that's not what they person. would say. What they would say is that it's disappointing and disheartening and painful to see another. Like, because it's like if you're supposed this is supposed to be a depiction of Washington Heights, where there are plenty of black, Hispanics, or Latin people, yeah. whatever the hell we're saying now. There's plenty of them. It's not aberrational that you see black people in there. Like there's a few totally. of them and they were, it's like, there's plenty of them. And so what they would say is that to see this movie being made from somebody who's allegedly of the culture and for him to cast all light-skinned people is disheartening for yeah. them. Mind you, it's like, it's five lead roles. There's like four lead roles. What the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. Well, Rita Moreno uh, defended Lynn Manuel Miranda, and now she's getting canceled too. She's Rita canceled. Moreno, who's eighty nine years old, eighty nine years, years old, and like she's an absolute canceled. trailblazer, like you know, trailblazer legend. Like, can you believe what Rita Moreno must have gone through in like nineteen fifty when she was like you know in Hollywood making it and stuff? Like as some Puerto Rican woman, like she must have seen all kinds of fucking awful racism and sexism and and shit. And uh, yeah, she like defended Lin Manuel Miranda, saying like, "Come on, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Lin Manuel has done more for like uh, uh, Latinx culture, Puerto Rican heritage, and all that stuff than like anyone in our lifetime or whatever." And like, give him a break or something like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's killing drag her ass. Like, he's, drag her ass. It's just you know, it's 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 just uh, the, the the cancel She's eighty nine. She's, She's eighty nine. The cancel wars is just, it just gets more absurd by the day. I'm sorry. Like somebody, the, the woman who tweeted, who made the clip of, you know, the interview with the director, the guy who did um, Crazy Rich Asians, he actually directed this movie. That clip went viral via, via this woman because she said, she basically said, she, hold on, let me pull this shit up. She quote tweeted the interview, posted it, a woman named Numa um, Pierre, uh, Perrier, um, she said, damn, damn, damn. And yeah, I don't know this Numa lady, but I, I'm I'm happy for you that your life is such that this is something that could actually cause you great pain. Um, <laughs> you're a lucky one. I'll tell you that much. Uh, anyway, that's our show for today. Please make sure you guys are subscribed to the Woke Bros feed on Spotify, iTunes, excuse me, on Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We have our own feed now. Please make sure you go find it there. Of course, you know, watch us, rate us, give us five stars, do that whole thing. Fernando Vila, I'm big, big wise. We out of here. Peace. Later. <laughs>